Tucker Carlson goes full Putin, never go full Putin. The Georgia State Legislature is trying to pass legislation undermining District Attorney Fonnie Willis. Will they succeed in undermining the looming Trump indictment? Tennessee lawmakers ban drag shows. What can we do to fight back against such blatant bullying? Then GOP states are pulling out of a critical interstate voting consortium. That may seem boring, but this could have massive implications for future elections. Finally, we'll talk about a few lowlights from the CPAC conference, including a Daily Wire host who called for transgenderism to be eradicated. We'll discuss all of that and more. This is Majority 54. All right, Jason. Well, we talked you know, a couple episodes ago about these Fox News text messages about how they're saying one thing privately and another thing publicly. And, you know, as you expected, uh, Tucker Carlson last night got on uh, television and apologized to his viewers and to the American people. So kudos to him. Cool. Well, I would love to see that clip. (laughs) Yeah, let's let's go to that clip, actually. (laughs) Brett, why don't we play that? The protesters were angry. They believed that the election they had just voted in had been unfairly conducted. They were right. In retrospect, it is clear the 2020 election was a grave betrayal of American democracy. Given the facts that have since emerged about that election, no honest person can deny it. Oh, I'm so I'm sorry. He actually is doubling down on this lie and pretending like he never said it. And I actually think he's going to get away with it. Uh, For sure. Yeah, this is the the playbook now on the right. Just pretend that inconvenient facts don't exist. Do you remember, what was that song? Um, Was it a Nelly song? I can't remember. But it was basically like, uh, you know, are you going to believe me? Or like what you see, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was about. I'm triggered. I'm triggered by Nelly because he played at that halftime show oh, at that, right. that Chiefs game that we went to. Well, so I, we can't talk about that. It probably wasn't Nelly, um, but but anyway, I mean that's what this is, right? I mean he's just like, well, well, I'm I'm not going to acknowledge the existence of these text messages that have been made public. I'm just going to continue. Now his language was careful, right? He used terms like questionable instead of terms like mm-hmm. stolen, right? He's talking like a guy who wants to continue the same to say the same thing, but not get sued, <laughs> yep. right? Which I guess yep. is a small victory, I suppose. Well, yeah, he could say the, the legal differences. He's not disparaging a person mm-hmm. here, so he could lie all he wants about the American electoral system as long as he's not like this person stole the election or this election official committed a crime or dominion voting systems at x y and z he there's little legal recourse we have against him my favorite truth laundering move uh, and there are many um from the right is is this move the move where you say a bunch of things that aren't true you put a bunch of things that aren't true out into the universe and then instead of actually endorsing any of the not true things that you've said you cite the fact that there seem to be a lot of people who think this thing is not true. I yeah, mean, and, yeah. <laughs> and that's what they've done about the election, right? They, like, right. if you look back at all Josh Hawley's interviews right before he pulled the trigger on objecting to the election, which everyone had agreed they weren't going to do and opened this whole Pandora's box, he kept saying, well, look, it's not about what I believe. There, there are a lot of people out there who have a lot of questions and have a lot of concerns, and we need yep. to address My those. My dad does this. My yeah, dad does this all the time. 
it yeah. the first instance of this in the wild like the first time it was ever spotted was when uh the concept of uranium enrichment in iraq was introduced by dick cheney in an interview on meet the press and he cited the new york times now what we did not know at that time was that dick cheney was the anonymous source that the new york times had quoted <laughs> citing right? himself which yeah. got us into a whole war that got a lot of people killed so that's like that was the first sighting of this species of truth laundering in, in in the world. But now we just see derivatives of it everywhere. And this is one of them. Well, uh, let's go to another clip here. You know, he, this later in the same segment, he uh, he portrayed the sightseers uh, or you could portray the uh, the rioters as sightseers. Uh, let's look at this clip. They were orderly and meek. These were not insurrectionists. They were sightseers. Footage from inside the Capitol overturns the story you've heard about January 6th. Protesters queue up in neat little lines. They give each other tours outside the speaker's office. They take cheerful selfies and they smile. They're not destroying the Capitol. They obviously revere the Capitol. They're there because they believe the election was stolen from them. They believe in the system. Here's the man you've heard referred to as the QAnon shaman outside the Senate chamber. Uh, you know, it's well, like it's like. It's as if on the night of the Nicole Brown Simpson murder, they caught footage of uh, O.J. Simpson walking leisurely from his car to her residence to be like, look, like this guy is just walking, just having a stroll down the street. And like, we know as he if, can like, run. Local- He's a running yeah, back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, what is it? This does nothing. They, they pick the, the best possible. I mean, I don't know why I'm even saying this. Our audience knows. See, this. See, now this is I, the- Robbie, I actually am totally convinced by this. And I actually <laughs> want to double down on this. So I have another clip that I'd like to play. So Brett, why don't you play this other clip we have of some uh, citizens in another country who are also sightseeing in a government building. So uh, what we have here is uh, we have the Taliban. Uh, They have just entered the presidential palace. This was taken in August of 2021 for our audio listeners. They're sitting. They're just sitting around a table uh, in the presidential palace. And what I assume is their version of the Oval Office. Yeah, there's some guys with guns, but I mean, it ain't like they're breaking stuff. Now here we we have them milling about, kind of literally measuring the drapes in a conference room. Oh, this fella is in what appears to be a, a very important conference room where there are Afghan flags. He's just walking about like, oh, here's a guy taking some pictures, right? Oh, several people taking pictures. I mean, these are peaceful people, clearly. I mean... Never mind the the AK-47s that they're carrying. Oh, this guy, this guy's taking a souvenir. He's just rolling up an Afghan flag and he's he's going to go ahead and take that with him. So, uh, you know, this happens. Uh, th- that's good, Brett. Thank you. Th- this happens in, in, in other countries as well, where right when someone has uh, when, when a when a. Uh, an insurgency has occurred, an insurrection has occurred and been successful and completely taken over the center of governmental power uh, in the country. I I see no reason why those people wouldn't be entirely peaceful about it. They've commandeered the building. Uh, and so, of course, they were just walking around. By the way, yeah. he references them giving tours of the speaker's office. Yeah, because the speaker had to flee the capital so that you wouldn't kill her. So, yeah, you, ha- you had just, to run just of the Just think place. about that. Imagine somebody broke into the White House and they were walking around the Oval Office and you're like, look, 
They're just giving a tour of the overall office. They're not authorized to be in that building to give a tour. It's like like as if I walked into my apartment and some random person was like there, and there. Like, no, no, no. I'm just giving a tour of your house. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. It's not your house. It's not your house. Uh, well, okay. There are other clips. We're not going to play them. One where Tucker carries water for Josh Hawley, who was famously running away, and Tucker tr- twists himself into a pretzel trying to explain that. Another clip of the QAnon shaman. He caught some moment of this guy just kind of milling about too and trying to say, hey, this guy's peaceful. Like, they're not even trying to, like, use any sense of logic and common sense to their their listeners and viewers. At some point, you've got to hope that people are listening to this just being like, well, I'm smarter than that, especially since so many of our listeners like me and you have people in their lives who watch this stuff. And these are otherwise smart, rational people who listen to this stuff. And it blows my mind that they can't see through this. That's the reason this is so upsetting. It's because this is Putin-esque propaganda. This is, this is for all of those millions of Americans who have really struggled with how to process the events of January 6th, right? Because, because if you're a Trump person, even a dedicated Trump person, I think initially... I mean, even like people in the Trump White House were like, this is bad, right? Like like people understood this is bad. And if you have been trying to get your confirmation bias back on track, right? And you've been trying to get to a place where you could put this reality out of, of the picture and you could get back to a place where you didn't have to confront the duality of this terrible thing that happened to your country coming from your side of the political aisle. Well, Tucker Carlson is here for you, and he is yeah. here to to revise that history and to tell you that the things that you had hoped were true when when wackadoodle people were saying them. No, no, no. I'm going to go ahead and step up and be a guy with one of the biggest audiences in cable history and tell you, no, 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 it's fine. All that wackadoodle stuff is true. You can go ahead and lean into that and absolve your own conscience. It's very, yeah, very it, dangerous. Yeah. It, and it's at a certain point. And, and looking at these text messages and then Tucker's response to it, I I used to just think that it was Fox News uh, manipulating its audience. And now I'm not sure. It's like Fox News manipulated its audience and now is being bullied by the people they manipulated. It's mm-hmm. almost like the French Revolution, you know, when like some of the, the most sort of staunch revolutionaries wound up going to the guillotine. It's like, to me, that seems like what's going on here is like their, their own audience is is forcing them to take views that they don't even seem to believe privately anymore. Well, it says so much that, that they just, they're going through this dominion lawsuit. They're seeing the repercussions of bowing to the desires of their audience. And it is in no, and it, and it's not stopping them from kowtowing to the most extreme parts of their audience. Right. In fact, all it's doing, if you look at that first clip we played, if you listen to it, it's it's getting them to be smarter about their language from a legal perspective and to be mm-hmm. less cavalier and slightly less reckless in terms of their own liability, but in right. no way less reckless. In fact, I would say more reckless given the revelations that have come out that they're doubling down on it, more reckless with regards to, you know, propagating conspiracy theories that they know. And in fact, not only believe not to be true, but we know from his text messages that came out in the Dominion suit that Tucker Carlson looks down on people who believe those right. conspiracies to be true, that he doesn't think they're smart. He thinks that they are dopes and suckers, obviously, but that doesn't stop him from going ahead and just putting more of that stuff into the IV that connects directly to the brain of the conservative side of this country. And that's 
evil. I mean, it's just an evil thing to do, man. Well, let's switch gears. Speaking of evil, uh, down in Georgia, the state legislature is considering two measures right now that would allow a new state oversight board to punish or remove prosecutors for very loosely defined reasons, including willful misconduct, and a third would sharply reduce the number of signatures required to seek a recall of a district attorney. Jason, this this appears connected to a certain high-profile case going on in Georgia right now. What do you think? Yeah, I, I have a feeling that this is like when you can't find uh, whatever that specific number of votes were that Trump wanted them to find. I guess you just wait a couple of years and then you try and remove the prosecutor who's trying to pursue uh, this totally legit case. The scary thing is that this is and I don't want to jump ahead, but that this is a little bit of a trend around the country right now. But before we get to that, we can get to, you know, who this prosecutor is and and why it's really it's really unfair because it's not like you have a partisan prosecution happening and then a partisan reaction to that prosecution. You just have a prosecution happening that is bad if you're a Trump partisan. Right. Right. And yeah, you and the prosecutor issue here is Afani T. Willis uh, in the Atlanta area. And she's kind of a centrist law and order prosecutor. She's you know had some pretty high profile criminal cases under her belt. And they're trying to pretend in the legislature that this has something this has nothing to do with the Trump stuff. So, you know, some of these state legislators are pointing to a different prosecutor who went under for some corruption charges as if that's really what they're concerned about. Uh, But at various points here uh, in the process, they had certain exchanges with Willis in the legislature over this measure and series of measures where they kind of let out uh, what their real motive is here. So Senator Kausert uh, had an exchange with Willis last month. Um, and uh, when Willis began explaining why uh, that she's been prioritizing gang prosecutions and violent offenders, Kausert interjected, quote, that's not what we're reading in the paper you're prosecuting, end quote. Uh, and so they're like insinuating to be like, oh, it looks like you're focused on this other thing. You're not focused on your job. And the, the story they're trying to tell is... She's so focused on Trump that crime is getting out of control. That's the narrative they're trying to spin. Which I think is pretty, it's pretty hard to sell, right? I mean, first of all, like if you're a prosecutor in Atlanta, I imagine multitasking is an important part of the job. If you're a prosecutor anywhere, right? Like there's usually not one crime happening at a time unless you're like in an old Batman movie, right? Like, (laughs) like there's. There's a lot of crime going on. You have to prosecute multiple things. It's why you're not the only lawyer in your office. It's why you're in charge of a bunch of people who, you know, conduct prosecutions. Uh, So, I mean, that goes without saying. But the other part is that, um, like, they really just are like, well, we read in the paper that you're doing this thing. If she were solely focused on that, then you wouldn't have had to tell me and the audience her name just now because she would have been, I mean, this is a celebrity making thing. Like if she chose to do it, she's not choosing to do it. I don't know. I can't even picture in my mind what she looks like. And that's because I haven't seen her doing the rounds on MSNBC every day. Yeah. She's not doing it. I can tell you what the four, the four woman of the jury looks like. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Which is why that, that was a particularly frustrating they, and they brought this up, obviously. They brought up the foreign woman. Now, that's not the fault of Willis. I think if we could all do this over again, if, if there's, I don't know if there are First Amendment concerns or whatever, but if there's a way they could have instructed the jury not even to say anything, 
that -hmm. would be better. Um, But yeah, I don't think there's much more to say other than I know I thought about this happening. I was wondering like, you know, what's to stop them? I guess nothing is to stop them. So it's something we just need to keep an eye on. And look, like this could get really messy. You know, I was thinking about this, like at some point, if Trump is indicted, for example, um, he has to get arraigned and all that kind of stuff. There's going to have to be some negotiation between the Secret Service and local law enforcement. Like, let's say he's down in Florida and then you've got DeSantis. DeSantis could pull a stunt pretending like he's sticking out for Trump and fighting Mm -hmm. like interstate extradition, which is not an issue we've had in this country. Like there are all sorts of novel issues that could come about here that could get really, really messy. Well, not to mention the precedent it sets, right? I mean, there's a thing happening actually right now in Missouri where the prosecutor in St. Louis, the the circuit attorney, so it's like the city prosecutor in St. Louis, has had a lot of missteps, like a lot, to the point where uh, the mayor of St. Louis has expressed a lot of doubt about whether there's can be confidence. And, you know, the mayor and the prosecutor of the same party, um, they are not traditionally rivals or anything like that. It's just objectively there have been some major mistakes uh, that have affected public safety in that office. Well, and then you've got the Republican attorney general, uh, newly appointed to fill Eric Schmidt, the new senator's position, uh, coming in and trying to take that uh, trying to take over that office. You know, you've got the legislature getting involved. There are other cases around the country where Republicans have been unhappy with what is actually in, in a lot of the cases, not necessarily in this one in St. Louis, though I think there are tinges of it because I think they see an opportunity here uh, where you have a lot of uh, more progressive prosecutors that have been elected over the last few years. It's been a priority of the progressive movement, particularly of organizations like the collective and black pack who look at it and say, Hey, let's have more representation in law enforcement. Let's have people who, as they make charging decisions, maybe have some lived experience, uh, to like take into consideration. And that's not a bad thing, but you've got these majority white majority Republican legislatures saying, well, maybe we don't want local prosecutors in these jurisdictions to have the same kind of power. And it's, the age old thing of they're all about local control until a local entity does something they don't like. I mean, we lived through a ton of it during COVID, but there's so many other examples in in red states. Uh, Kansas City and St. Louis have both passed ordinances increasing the minimum wage. And in both cases, the states, you know, come in and been like, no, you can't do that. Right. Um, So this happens over and over and over again. Um, And it's uh, it's the kind of thing you should bring up with people in your life when they talk about you know, these ideas, like when they say that I'm a Republican because I believe in like small government, local control, it's like, okay, but, but that's not what the politicians in your party are doing at every level. They're trying to exercise greater power over the level below them. Right. You know, and there's a, you know, DeSantis himself removed the prosecutor who disagreed with him, a local prosecutor. Well, okay, let's shift gears, Jason, and talk about this uh, controversy over this inner state voter list. And for listeners who are new to the podcast, you were the Secretary of State of Missouri. So you Mm -hmm. must know a thing or two about this whole situation. What's going on here? I do. Okay. So this thing, it's called ERIC, right? And and what ERIC does is uh, it's the Election Registration Information Center. And it's real simple. Basically, Eric is the product of a bunch of states getting together several years ago and saying, you know, it's very difficult to administer elections, particularly because in this country, elections are administered state by state and locality by locality. So like to give you an example of why it's so when people try and, you know, push the idea that there's a grand conspiracy on elections, it's 
our system is set up to keep that from happening because like voter rolls are kept at the local level. They're kept by like your county clerk and then they're and then they're sort of checked and there's oversight run at the state level. And there's no like big federal database of of uh, voter registration. And as a result, uh, it can be very difficult. Like, let's say, uh, you know, that I were to move to Hawaii, right? Um, I moved to Hawaii, but I don't send a notice to uh, the Jackson County, um, you know, clerk or the Kansas City Election Board and say, hey, um, I'm moving out of state and I'm going to go register to vote there. So you don't need to keep my voter roll here. You don't need to maintain my name on here. You don't need to send a a notice to my old address every couple of years saying like, hey, you're going to vote. You know, who does that? Like people don't usually do that, right? When you're moving. And so that's one of many reasons that understandably a bipartisan group, because in the world of election administration, increasingly now, because starting with the Tea Party and the voter suppression movement, now we know the difference between a Republican and a Democratic secretary of state or a local election authority. But for like a hundred years, it wasn't that way. People may have gotten elected under, you know, one title, one party or another, but then like you couldn't tell the difference. They were just trying to run the office and make the elections work. So they all got together and they're like, hey, we should, since the federal government won't do it, we should create a system where if somebody shows up and registers in Hawaii, we get a notice in the state that they've come from so that we could, you know, reach out and make sure we can take them off the voter roll just to keep the voter rolls clean, saves money, that kind of thing. Now, the backstory to this that isn't well let me stop there and you can go ahead and talk about some of the controversy if you like well i think the the, the short version of the story is that uh secretaries of state in certain republican states are pulling out of this interstate compact mm-hmm. so uh, the secretaries of state of florida west virginia and missouri all said they were pulling out so your successor, successor. i guess or yeah yeah, yeah uh, are pulling john ashcroft's son jay and they aren't really giving a lot of notice. And mm-hmm. it seems like, right, this is wrapped up in conspiracizing around the election, although it's really hard to tell. Oh, yeah. And no, it's it's wrapped up in two things. One, continuing to you know drive these conspiracy theories to say that any time that there's a group of people who work together to make elections work better, that they're, what they're trying to do is change the results of elections, which actually isn't true. of the time when there is an election irregularity, I'm not talking about fraud. I'm talking about just like something you showed up at the polls, your name wasn't on the list. You went to one place. They said, oh, actually, we have you living at this place. All that stuff. 99.9% of the time, what that comes down to is elections are really hard to run. And they're really hard to run because an election is a business that is functionally, you know, when you like other than places like Washington and Oregon, where you have a long vote by mail period, it is functionally a business that is open one day out of the year. And on top of that, it's open one day out of the year and all of the employees are volunteers and the vast majority of them are, you know, older, right? They're retired. That's why they have the time to be there all day. Uh, They're either volunteers or they're paid like $5, right? So they're doing it out of their civic duty and you try and give them training, but the resources are limited. So when you take all that into consideration, you want to do everything you possibly can to make the election work better, to, to make the voting rolls cleaner, to keep there from being a lot of stuff in the way so that when you go to find the right thing, you can find it. Now, the two things going on are one, they want to act like these 99.9% of the time when something goes wrong, that it's fraud, right? And so they want it to look more and more like that. So they want to point at everything and say fraud. Now, you know, they talk about wanting to investigate this stuff, have it like have uh, election investigations. I had 
because one of the things when I was Secretary of State, the Missouri Secretary of State has all these different responsibilities. One of them is the Securities Commission. We're basically like the Wall Street regulators, more or less, for the state, the investment regulators for the state. So I took a couple of uh, investigators from the Securities Commission and I brought them over and said, okay, everybody keeps saying they want to investigate voter fraud. So we made them uh, investigators of voter fraud. We created the Election Integrity Unit, I think we called it. And all that happened was they confirmed that there had never been a case of voter impersonation fraud in the state of Missouri. They didn't have any come up. They There weren't any real fraud cases there for them to investigate, reported by anybody. But what they ended up doing is looking into stuff that was election irregularities, right? And that's well, what happens. Well, you know how you catch fraud if it does exist? It's by sharing information state to state, which actually exactly. has happened. In the very rare times that people have voted in more than one state, uh, it's this process they use to identify. And DeSantis himself used to be for Eric before he was against it and praised it uh, during a previous press conference as a critical tool in rooting out what he believes is this ramp- rampant voter fraud. So Because he had com- like one case of fraud he could point to, right. and so he had to, and he, and he wanted to crow about it. Uh, yeah. It's worth mentioning that Trump is looming over this. So on Monday, he falsely claimed that Eric was, quote, pumping the rules for Democrats on Truth Social. He called for Republican governors to pull their states out uh, and said there should only be same day voting, which I'm not exactly sure what the connection is between Eric and same day voting. But it seems just like there yeah. is coming says, from the extreme right. Well, well he's not talk- he's saying, oh, you know. He's just saying you shouldn't be able to vote ahead of time. You shouldn't, you're right. He just wants to go yeah. back to, because because he, he's like conservatives vote. But what does Eric have to do with that? Does it have anything nothing. to do with that? Nothing. Yeah. And nothing. He's just like, oh, I heard the word election. Uh, you know, and he's doing word association as usual. But then the, the, <laughs> but that's the other part of this. Maybe he just hates his son so much. Maybe he's, he's <laughs> projecting. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe he doesn't even know. So the, but then the third part of this, or second, whatever it is, is that they will always go out of their way. They will cross the street uh, and, you know, forge a river to make it more inconvenient and more difficult to vote because their entire theory of the case is that when we treat this like customer service and we make it easier, more people vote and that's bad for us. Right. And that's what's happening here. Now, the the really like insidious part of this is that they are also sort of almost under their breath saying, well, maybe we'll create our own version, mm-hmm. which would sound like, oh, well, they want to replace it with something else. They're like, no, no, no. When I became Secretary of State, there was a competing version of this that somebody was trying to start, and they got a few states to sign on to it. And that somebody was Chris Kobach, the Secretary of State of Kansas. All right. So he opted out of Eric, uh, or uh, I don't remember if he opted out or if he was threatening to opt out, but he, and then he tried to get Missouri to be one of the first states to go into this new system with him, which he said was all about catching voter fraud. And of course, we didn't. And what he went on to do in his state is accuse a bunch of people of voter fraud when they didn't commit voter fraud. He just saw, you know, two people with the same Hispanic name and accused one person of voter fraud. He did it over and over (laughs) and over again. Um, So that's that's what's so scary about this is that they don't it's not that they just want to opt out and make things more inconvenient. They do, but they want to replace it with their own version, which is not a nonpart. This is a nonpartisan thing. There's people on this who are from both parties uh, in the in the governing body, but that's not what they want. Um, they want to make it harder to vote, and they and they want to specifically target certain voters and make it really hard for them. 
Well, okay. On that note, we're going to take a break and hear from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk about this horrible Tennessee drag show law. We're going to talk about CPAC and what happened over there. And just like what like places like CPAC and these gatherings tell us about where the Republican electorate is heading in 2024. We'll talk about that and more. And we'll be right back. We all know that times have been tough recently, and if you're living paycheck to paycheck or struggling to make ends meet, it can be really stressful when unexpected expenses come up. These could be medical expenses, auto expenses, travel expenses, and a plethora of other things. These unexpected expenses can particularly pile up at the beginning of the year when you're trying to start off on the right foot by prioritizing your health and wellness. And with our sponsor, Dave, you can get your money sooner without worrying about how much money you have to get through the week. Dave is a banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. And with Dave, there's no interest, late fees, or a credit check. And you can download the Dave app from the app store right now or go to dave.com slash m54. That's dave.com slash m54. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal instant transfer fees apply. Banking services provided by Evolve Bank Trust, member FDIC. Our next partner, Athletic Greens, has been a part of my daily routine for years now. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. And sometimes I take it twice a day if I have a, like a particularly tough workout day or if I'm feeling a little under the weather. And folks who've been listeners to this podcast for a long time know I've been using this stuff way before they became a sponsor. I'm a true believer. And you know, my routine right now is I take Athletic Greens first thing in the morning before I take any coffee and it keeps me hydrated, ensures that I get that daily nutritional insurance before I do anything else. And again, I sometimes will take it again if there's something particularly unique going on in the day and I travel with it. It's like my essential travel. Uh, I take these travel packs that they have and sometimes I'll take a full pack with me depending on how long I'm going away. And it's just something I won't leave home without. So if you're looking for a simpler and cost-effective supplement routine, uh, Athletic Greens is giving you a free year supply of vitamin D, really important in these February and March months, and five free travel packs with your first purchase, and those travel packs are really important, really helpful. So go to athleticgreens.com slash majority, that's athleticgreens.com slash majority to check it out. All right, Jason, you know I used to live in Tennessee for six or seven great years. Uh, unfortunately, the state has gone, when I moved there, they had a Democratic governor, if you could believe it, and Democrats controlled both chambers uh, in the state legislature, quickly flipped to Republican control, but with a Jeb Bush-like governor figure in Bill Haslam. Right, and then now we've got a quack named Governor Bill Lee, who signed Thursday a law that criminalizes adult cabaret performances that are, quote, harmful to minors. It This bill includes male or female impersonators on public property or where they could be seen by children. Uh, and it takes effect April 1st. <laughs> April Fool's Joke's Day. on us. Joke's yeah. on us. Uh, I know my friends in Nashville to know full well that we could expect throughout the month of April, some demonstrations. It is a, Nashville is a city that has a proud and rich LGBTQ history. Um, have some good friends down there who fought for equality in Nashville for decades. And you can guarantee that they'll have something brewing. And uh, maybe we'll go down there and see what's going on. Always, always nice to be in Nashville in April. This is a terrible lot, Jason. What do we do about this just blatant bullying? 
It's really hard, right? Because on the one hand, if it didn't actually, if it wasn't bullying real people and, uh, you know, had actual victims because it's, you know, just one more drop in the, in the water barrel of hate that eventually pushes people to violence and that kind of thing, then you would just ignore it. You'd be like, look at this. They want us to talk about this instead of things that matter to voters because they want to say, look over here. Isn't this different and weird? And doesn't that scare you? Um, and it's, I mean, I have to imagine that the first amendment issues here are, are, uh, are, are serious, but I also can't imagine this Supreme court being all that helpful. And also that would take forever. So, um, it's a hard one to know. Like you fight it, but you don't center it. I bet everything. the Tennessee State Supreme Court is a very measured institution. So <laughs> I have no sure. idea. Are they are they elected <laughs> statewide? Uh, I don't either way. Know. They're probably not. I have super no measured, idea, right? Um, I have no idea. Have you this been to a drag a, show before? I actually, this was the first year I've ever been to. Last year, I went to one. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's my cup of tea, but I think now I'm going to start to to like. I feel like I'm going to go to one in Nashville. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. maybe in front of there's this this park right in front of the Capitol called Bicentennial Park. Uh, you may remember that because it's a, we have a scene in our script that we've never put anywhere that's set in Bicentennial Park, but yeah. it's right in front of the uh, the the Capitol. And I gotta think that there's going to be a drag show in that park in April. That, I'm just yeah. gonna guess. And they're gonna yeah. be like, I dare you to arrest all of these drag queens, right? Like, um, yeah. is that, I don't know if that term is still a female impersonator. So I'm not yeah. sure what we're supposed to say, but I've no been, to, I've been to drag shows before and I will, I will tell you, um, I'm going to start by saying something that sounds insensitive and then I'll explain. I am uncomfortable at them, but it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with people being dressed in drag. It has to do with, I realize I, and maybe a lot of other people feel this way. I'm deeply uncomfortable at any event where people perform in front of me and, I can be seen. I get very mm-hmm. self-conscious, right? So like if you put me in the in a theater and the lights are down, I'm going to enjoy the heck out of the I show. Have, I have an example of this that really made me cringe. I watched the Chris Rock special that, yesterday that, that uh-huh. aired over the weekend and there was this joke where he used the N-word and they panned to the audience of this white woman hysterically <laughs> laughing and I'm like, this woman's going to regret uh, <laughs> right, doing this. It's like, yeah. Now, everybody in the theater is laughing, but it's like, it's what you said about Bill Maher. It's like, you got to be careful sometimes about what you're laughing at. Like they'll, they'll pan to you when you're over there. Right, you're, yeah. Uh, when you're on his show, you have to be ready to be funny and loose and whatever, and also ready to condemn what he just said at any given moment. Um, right. But but my thing is like like I literally I'm uncomfortable at like. Have you ever have you ever done one of those things? Uh, where it's like dinner theater, but it's a mystery. Like you go and there's like, you participate in the little theater thing and it's a murder mystery, so to speak. No, I'm dying to though. It sounds really exciting. So I've done a couple of them and it's one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever ever done because you have to interact with the performers. So anyway, that's my reason. I'm uncomfortable at any event where people perform to me and I'm in any way integrated into part of the show or like you can see. Okay. I got another these people story. are not uncomfortable for that reason. I got another story about this. I have a friend who did a comedy show over the weekend that I went to and or on Thursday. And uh, the last comic that went up was one of these crusty veteran New York comics who was honestly over the hill and not very funny, but very aggressive. Mm-hmm. And my friend who was with me, she was she went she did the and this is her fault. She pulled out her phone in the middle oh. of this performance. So from then forward, my table was the focus of this guy's anger. <laughs> And he wasn't funny and was just really, really angry. And I was just like, get me out of here. Uh, yeah. It's the worst. And, it's absolutely you know, the worst. But like, 
so a drag show is it's just for me just another place where i'm like if the lights are down and no one can see me i'm gonna really enjoy this right just like a yeah. stand-up show or anything else but these folks they're uncomfortable i don't want to psychoanalyze them but i guess because they're worried it's i I think they're worried he's going to make them gay, Robbie. I'm pretty sure that's what they're worried about. Or it's worried they're going to it's gonna make the kids gay, which, okay. Make like, them. Yeah, it's going to make them. <laughs> even, if you, make them. even if you accepted the premise of like, 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 I guess if you wanted to say you wouldn't want scantily clad men or women, whether they be impersonators or not, performing for kids, like, okay, I'm not sure... Like that could be like a community standard. You could, mm -hmm. or it could be like your household standard. You're like, yeah. I, I don't take my kids to that. I, the idea of making it a state law uh, is just like a giant red flag that has written on it. We don't have anything else to say. Like, yeah. Just look away. Look over here. Uh, you know. And well, and this is a trend. You know. Uh, there's a, the human rights campaign state equality index says that 29 out of 315 anti-LGBTQ bills were enacted into law in 2022 and the group is now tracking approximately 750 LGBTQ bills introduced in state legislatures around the country according to HRC over half of the bills will cause real harm to the LGBTQ plus community Tennessee is not accidental this is where the Daily Wire is now headquartered and Matt Walsh of the Daily Wire is up at the Capitol now testifying all the time about, you know, his seeming expertise on um, trans youth. And if, and if you just really want to go to a, down a rabbit hole, those are some ugly, ugly hearings. And um, it's I don't even want to get into it. It's just really bad. And it's not well, accidental that Tennessee has this. this well, this what I would. What I would tell our listeners is that when this comes up in conversation with people, here's what I would do, because we talk a lot on the show about the importance of assigning motive. If you're going to make an argument about somebody's uh, you know, ill intent, you have to actually assign motive, right? If you're going to say what they're doing is wrong, you got to say why they're doing it. And you can go back to like 2010, like the, the about 2009 and then the 2010 election cycle, uh, the Republicans had they'd come upon two issues that were extremely effective wedge issues for them. One was uh, like same sex couples, right? It was, it was gay marriage and that kind of thing. And that, that starts in like late nineties, early like 2000 era. Right. But in 2009, they added another one to it, which was Obamacare. Right. And, and they ran with those two for a few election cycles. It worked really well in 2010. It worked a little less well, but still well in 2014. And then by 2016, uh, it wasn't working anymore, right? I mean, we had had court decisions uh, on the on the on the marriage issue, and at that point, like the, the culture had changed. Um, Biden had, had you know come out in the second term and been like, "Hey, I'm for this," which caused Obama to say, "I'm I'm for this." The culture had changed on that. But the other thing that had happened. Um, by probably 2018 was Obamacare had started to take effect and people were like, uh, I like this. I like being on my parents' insurance until 26. I, I like that there's an exchange that's available, you know, and now they couldn't talk about Obamacare anymore. In fact, now we see they, they, they go out of their way not to talk about it. Right. But they had to resurrect something. Right. And, and so they've gone back and they can't talk about marriage anymore because they look terrible. They look insensitive and mean because they are on this. And so they're, they got to dig into the bone on something else. And that's why we're seeing all this stuff about transgender stuff and about, you know, drag shows and that kind of thing. And it all is about 
really one thing. That one thing is bigotry, but it's it's more than that. It's a it's it's a smoke signal. It's a you know it's it's a signal one way or the other that these people are not like us. They're different, and not not gay people like. Democrats, liberals, people who live in the cities, like they want Fox News, you know, in that crowd, they want to get across to people who live in Warrensburg, Missouri, that if you drive up the road to Kansas City on a Friday night, you're, you're, you and your children will encounter a drag queen uh, who will sit down at your table at dinner with you and convert your kid to being gay. Like that's what they want people to believe. Well, depressing stuff. Uh, let, let's turn to uh, another depressing spectacle here, which is CPAC. This is the conservative political action committee gathering. This has been going on for, I think something like 16 years. And by all accounts, this was one of the lowest attended versions of these we've ever had. Trump won the straw poll. The straw poll used to, I think, mean something. I'm not sure it does anymore. And Kerry Lake won the vice presidential poll. So it just shows you where the sort of the right wing base is. Right now, DeSantis did not show up, but Nikki Haley did. Pompeo did. They both spoke to less than full capacity crowds. But I don't think anybody had a uh, smaller crowd, more sparse crowd than Kimberly Guilfoyle, who I guess is the girlfriend of Don Trump Jr. So. Yeah, uh, I think so. So we'll play this clip, and then for our listeners, we'll explain why exactly we're playing this. Uh, there's a little bit of comedy involved here. Let's play this clip. Because all of us in this room have one message to Joe Biden. It is time to put America first. <laughs> To put common sense. Jason, you and I had more people at our Athletic Greens marketing meeting <laughs> at the podcast movement conference than she had in that room. And my favorite, and there weren't a lot in that set in that in that room. Uh, the the funniest thing about this is she's like all of us, and then they pan <laughs> to the crowd, and there's almost nobody in that room. I. I don't know how to feel about this because on the one hand, like she's awful, right? I mean, like it, the the uh, moral flexibility that it takes to go from, uh, you know, being like when she was married to Gavin Newsom, right? I mean, and now and and that's amazing to me, by the yeah, way. Yeah, and now like she's Donald Trump Jr.'s girlfriend. I mean, I'm not saying you autumn like that. Well, I think in this case, I am. I'm saying I think she clearly had different politics before, and she's very opportunistic when it comes to her politics. Right. Uh, so that's awful. What I will say, as someone uh, you know, like you, who I've given a lot of speeches at conferences, I got to compliment her. Uh, she ignored the room really well. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes, that's did. really hard to do, man. When you, yeah. when, when you have a, a sparse crowd like that, and it happens at a conference, right? People get tired. They, they got other breakouts they're going to, whatever. Especially now. Like, yeah, I, I think it's harder than ever to pack a room at a conference given everything's available online. Exactly. And so she's like, she, you know, she was like, I'm ignoring the room. Now, the problem is she didn't know that the room would be visible on camera. And if yeah. that's the case, you, gotta, you can't ignore the room. You got to go pull up a chair in the front and take a lot yeah. of your mic and just like, hey, let's have a conversation. You know, like, you yeah, know, be like everybody. Yeah, I think the move is like, everybody move to the front here. Let's just have an intimate conversation. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, uh, and then uh, I'll do a and a and I'll, you know, take some selfies. But she didn't do right. that. Uh, and it is unfortunate for her. Um but boohoo, so, you know. <laughs> like, well, a couple other things happen here. Uh, so 
our friend, our new friend of the pod, Vivek Ramaswamy, the guy we talked about last week, who's inexplicably running for president, claims he was approached to pay his way into CPAC, uh, and that basically some like organizers with connections to the conference basically said if 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 he paid something like a hundred thousand dollars, they could basically bus in a bunch of people to help vote for him in the poll. I'm not sure what to make of that, other than. Uh, wanted to keep this guy in the majority 54 news cycle. Um, but the, I think the more pernicious piece here is a CPAC speaker called for transgender people to be eradicated. This is a Daily Wire host, Michael Knowles, on Saturday said that and then got all huffy when people pointed him out for that. Now, this is some dangerous language calling on like, look, and he's being like, I didn't say the people, it's the ideology, whatever he's saying. Mm-hmm. It's really hateful stuff. Yeah, I mean, when he's saying, I was saying transgenderism, not transgender people. Okay. Like, would it be different if you were like, I'm not saying Jews have to be eradicated. I'm just saying, don't be Jewish in public. Right. Like, right. like, like right. That, that wouldn't be okay. Right. I mean, if you take a lot of the stuff and this is no surprise to anybody, but if you take the clips of that guy's speech and all you do is you change out words like transgender, uh, for words like race mixing, right. right? Uh, then you, you have a George Wallace speech. Like it's, there's no difference there. And even if you are a person who, and there are some who are like, Hey, not all civil rights issues are the same. Let's not equate this either way. Like, you really don't want to deliver a speech where those words can be swapped out no matter what your subject matter is and have it still be consistent and work. Like you want to avoid that generally in your, in your political rhetoric. Yeah. Well, that's enough about CPAC. Uh, now it's time for one for us, Jason, what's happened in your world? Uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting week for me. Uh, so Diana's traveling for work uh, and I have both kids. And, and usually when this happens, because, you know, I, I work as well, uh, one of the grandparents, my parents or her parents will step in and, and, and help a little. And they've been great about that. Um, both sets have COVID. Oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, Everything okay, though? Or, or is it- Everybody's okay. They're all getting better yeah. now, but they're still contagious. And um, look, I my point is the victim here is me, Robbie. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but so, so I had to, I found this out. Diana left town on Sunday and about an hour before she left, she was like, bad news. My mom also has COVID. I was like, okay. And, uh, I, and I know that this could sound like that thing where a dad, it is probably that thing where, where dads sometimes just want credit for being like an adequate parent. But that, <laughs> that is exactly what I'm doing because I'm proud of myself for in that moment, not freaking out. I was like, because in, in my case, you know, Bella was going to go to my uh, mother-in-law's house for a couple of days, which I love my daughter. I mean, she's amazing, but I also do really value the time when Diana does travel and it's just my son and me, like, because we go do fun dad and true stuff. And, we, and you know, some, when you have two kids, sometimes it's nice to be able to just focus on one for a little bit on that relationship. And I was really excited about it, but I didn't get too down. I was like, all right, I got this. And I got to be honest, I'm three days into this and this is the best I've ever done at having both kids by myself. I have cooked meals each night so far. I have like cleaned every night. Everybody's gotten to bed on time. What's your go-to kid great meal? time. Well, go-to kid meal in our house uh, is uh, salmon and rice or salmon and pasta with like uh, chopped. Uh, like oh, that's pretty healthy for kids. And, yeah. Um, they're, 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 we're pretty annoying about that. They, they have very, uh, they're, they're kind of picky eaters as a result of us. Well, I've seen true in action. 
yeah, I have no ate. no evidence that he eats any food, really. Yeah, he, he has like five things he eats. They're all yeah. very healthy, but it, it's uh, it can be. Well, good job, you. You should just keep keep this rolling. Give give Diana a few months off. Yeah, you know? I'm really ready for her to come back. I'm excited for her. She, I can I know exactly when she comes back, and you know I love my wife and I miss her, but also I'm ready for her to come back. Well, uh, well kudos you? to you. Oh, You're same old forty. About to turn forty. I'm handling it well, thank you. Uh, I saw no, your 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 thirst trap picture on uh, on Instagram. I'm not I'm not making fun of you. I did the exact same should. thing when I turned you forty. You uh, should. I, you I should did it when I turned thirty nine, and then again at forty. Um, I have equal parts flame emojis and people making fun of me when I post photos like that, and I know full well what I'm getting into. Uh, Whatever, man. I know. I was you just work very proud very of myself. It's all right. I was very proud of myself. I was just like, you know what? I'm trying to motivate myself to get to a specific place where I can both surf this particular wave that's very hard to get into that I'm doing in April, and then to, in June, win this fitness competition that I'm entering that's very hard. And then eventually, we've been talking offline about this uh, this physical 100 Korea show. Mm-hmm. Um, in the back of my head, you know how like, uh, you, you as it. a kid, as a kid, you... As a, a young adult, you think you can make it to the majors way later than it's actually practically possible, and you only give up on the idea of play, being a major league baseball player at like thirty-five. Uh, no, I'm and, forty-one, Ravi, and you know I you still think I'm going to yeah. get discovered. So. so, in my head now, the physical one hundred, whenever it comes to us, is now my new version of the thing I will never get into. But that is like my pie in the sky. It will be. Fun I disagree. To, to I think you it. should do it. I, I, I think you should aim to do it. And if nothing else, I think you should do what is uh, very consistent with your pattern and character, which is just create a senior circuit. If there, if, if you, if you don't think you can get into it, just go found the senior circuit of the power 100 and go win that. Like, I, yeah. What's the, yeah. In the, part of what's cool about it is the older guy in the, in the Korea version is like the star of the show. Like I, everybody, look, the stuff great. that they're doing, I don't think you necessarily, now you're going to need more recovery time. Yeah. But I mean, like, those guys are crazy. Some of the things they did. Strong, fast nice. dude. I think you can do it. Thank you. Well, this is the pep talk I needed. All right. Yeah. Well, why don't you take us home? Uh, absolutely. All right. Uh, one public service announcement is that uh, if you're watching this right now, you probably can still go to Ravi's Instagram and see that picture that it, clearly you're wondering about right now. But it's on his story. <laughs> so if you're way, if you if you listen to this a few hours later and you listen to it on the audio, I apologize. It was on his story. You're probably not going to see it unless maybe a lot of people were to go to his Instagram and comment and demand that he post the picture regular, which could What's happen. What's that? At Ravi M. Gupta, if you're listening. <laughs> Follow you me. There, and we actually, this is part of the physical 100. I did, so many of those people who are in that are influencers. So I need to somehow make myself a fitness influencer by the time the show comes you, to the United States. So you can help you me get influenced there. influenced my fitness and a lot of yeah. other people in the fitness posse you created. So I think it's very, I think it's very possible. All right. Uh, so thank you everybody uh, for listening. Everybody in the Midas Mighty. We greatly appreciate you. Uh, remember, we all have a platform. Make sure to use yours today. 